0: Welcome to the Vape Week, number 10. I'm your host, Ed Wolf, and you can reach me at vapingindustry at gmail.com, vapingindustry at gmail.com. Today's episode will be broken down into two areas. The first 45 minutes, I'll be talking about uh, this VTA amendments that were put through, uh, at things that were tacked onto the coal bill, and what implications those may have to the potential of having flavors be banned as part of that package after that I'll be talking about some feedback that I've received and talking about what my perspective is on sort of advocacy and uh, different approaches to it basically detailing some of the things that the FDA can do and what those implications would have to e-liquid manufacturers and then uh, balancing those with the common thought foes of vaping which would be labels and marketing ip so we'll open up with a quick intro and then go straight to it appreciate you listening So there's things that i want to talk about uh this week there's been a couple big studies that came out one is from the uh, royal college of physicians Uh, that's a 200 page report that has put out a lot of really good information and I haven't gone through the whole thing. What I did do is I got the actual PDF and then I uh, reorganized a little bit so the bookmarks showed. Uh, So uh, I posted that out on Facebook for people to read it if they want. If You can just skip to the conclusion, uh, skip to the last page, uh, and it has some really darn good conclusions. Um, That information uh, was just posted out all throughout. I believe it was uh, Not Blowing Smoke that uh, pushed out the first information, and that stuff got shared just all over the place uh which is a really good thing and the, the normal media the the mainstream media picked up that article too so it goes quite side with what with the uh 95 percent uh when the uh, british medical people uh i'm getting the wrong name but uh essentially the british fda had put out that about uh maybe it was a year ago now maybe a little less that's vaping is 95% safer. So what the Royal College of Physicians did is they basically analyzed a lot of the stuff. So this really wasn't a surprise to anybody that's been reading the studies that have come out, but it was an aggregation of all of it and a essentially a review. So instead of a peer-reviewed journal that just takes whatever the scientists or the the researchers take and just you know double check that the math is correct that this was actually analyzed i believe uh, it's something similar to a Cochrane review which is often known as the the standard the the gold standard as they love to say in science so this the royal college of physicians is a very old organization Uh, they began in 1518 which is essentially when modern medicine uh became popular after i guess the dark ages but these guys have been around this is a really really established group so what they've done is done everybody that is looking at the fda and any other country out there a gigantic favor because they've collated this information and they've drawn the conclusions and they've cited everything and so again all of this stuff is more or less out there i mean there there was a study uh that was put out a while back uh that was removed from the Wikipedia, actually, when I was editing that, um, that, that showed that if you would just give vapor products to smokers and nothing else, that one third of them would quit. And it's just like, you know, uh, taking a cage of people you know, or animals, throwing in some stuff and then they learn how to use it. I mean, that, that to me was a very powerful, powerful study. Um, I don't know if it's included with the Royal College of Physicians. I know that I I fought to keep it on Wikipedia. However, Wikipedia has some uh, people out there that have really destroyed that uh, e-cigarette Facebook. I haven't looked to see how it's being treated now, but uh, in case you're wondering, yes, I am currently banned from Wikipedia. So that was a big, huge event. And then there was another event, and this is, I actually, I felt pretty good. I posted this stuff out. Uh, I just so happened to, to do a search and saw this is what the, the Journal of Addiction did. Uh, and the, the Journal of Addiction put out some really good information. I'll tell you, the one place where I found a really good organized uh, statement of what this whole thing is, uh, kind of down to the bullet points, is at a site called nomorecasualties.org. So that's No More Casualties, uh, plural, org, It talks about what it says, and, and there's a, a couple things. I'm just going to read through it uh, super quickly and t- because it's bulletized. So, again, go to org and uh, take a look at this. But uh, this was the Society of Study of Addiction. And they're talking about substantially lower toxicants, it, that it's uh, used by adults. It has much less chemicals uh, between up to 450 times uh, less than cigarettes, that for dual users that there is a benefit to COPD. One thing that I really liked in here is that it's talking about companies that concerns have been raised that cigarette smoking will become renormalized by VNP use, uh, which is VNP just means vaping. This issue can be addressed by the media, public health uh, campaigns that encourage norms that are hostile to cigarette smoking and at the same time distinguishing clearly between vapor and cigarette risk, discouraging uh, dual use and encouraging VMP risk. And there's another section here, I'm just looking for it, which essentially says that companies that, here it is, cigarette companies that have entered in the smokeless tobacco market have encouraged dual use rather than exclusive use. Now they said, this says smokeless tobacco market, but that smokeless tobacco is a defined item. It has a it has a legal definition, and that's the stuff that you put between your cheek and gum and spit with, or you don't spit with, it, it can be also snus. But it's saying cigarette companies that have entered into the vapor market have encouraged dual use rather than exclusive use and are likely to do the same with VMPs. Ah, oh, I should have read further. So they're saying they, even with a, a, a healthy product like Snus, that the cigarette companies that control the Snus production and the cigarette production aren't really pitching all that hard the Snus uh, to get off of cigarettes. And they're mm-hmm. saying that they, they believe that that's going to be the same model for the cigalikes like uh, the Mark 10 and the Views that it, they're going to promote them as a, an effective dual-use product but not really want to get people away from the cash cow, which is the the, uh, the mashed-up leaves and stems uh, in a puree and then re-sliced and made into a cigarette. Uh, by contrast, vapor companies that are not affiliated with cigarette companies want smokers to switch completely from cigarettes to vapor products. To me, that is a gigantic thing that was published in the Journal of Addiction, uh, that that is acknowledging that there is a difference between tobacco and vapor-only companies, and that vapor-only companies are encouraging the use of vapor products and that might be through cloud contests that might be from any no number of different things uh you know uh sub or whatnot but what that's telling you is that there is a clear and understood advantage to vaping only companies versus companies that are vapor that are associated with tobacco and it's good to see that acknowledged so again Anybody that's been reading these studies have basically been saying, yeah, we have the data. The data is on our side. I've said that many times, that we don't have to be afraid of the scientific data. We don't have to be afraid of the Stanley Glances uh, because what he's doing with his meta studies is a whole way of uh, hiding the ball. and what what is normally used to be known in science, at least when I studied it, is making the data fit. And so what you do is you, you start off with your conclusion and then you only gather data that supports your hypothesis and then you publish your study. It, it's fraud. And so when these meta-studies, I've, I've looked at some of them where they exclude different things, that, like uh, this one glance study, He, if you read into the, the deep-down dirty parts of all of the references it talked about how many studies he collected for his meta study he collected say 60 studies and then but it said he used 60 studies out of a collection of 100. And then he they, they goes into the detail of why they threw out those other 40. And often why they're throwing out those other 40 is because that data doesn't support their hypothesis, doesn't support the conclusion that they want to pitch. So in this specific case, it was uh, talking about secondhand admissions. And so uh, Glance looked at... Uh, the emissions from the electronic cigarette and said, well, look, this component should have been there. And however, for some reason, they did not pick up that component, which should have been there. In all cases, it should have been there. Therefore, he concluded that the study's equipment that, that had to be malfunctioning. And because it was malfunctioning, he was not going to include the positive data. So that's how meta studies are manipulated. You gather what you want, you throw out what you want, and then you just tout, we collected X amount of studies. You're just cherry picking and then putting out a report. So both of these things from the Journal of Addiction and from the Royal College of Physicians are hugely important. They go along with the previous uh, UK FDA's uh, statement on 95%. Uh, It's all fantastic news. And this is a body of work that is going to be required by the United States FDA for inclusion in any applications made. They do not have... I've seen this out there that people think that because it's a foreign study that it, it can't be used by the FDA or the FDA will treat it with less weight. That's not true. There is some... There is a bias to English language papers. There is That is true. There is They would prefer to have it in English. Uh, in this case, that's not a problem. But they do have to take this stuff. They do have to consider it, and it's going to be of equal weight as if the FDA funded it themselves. They cannot just dismiss this. So it's been, been fantastic news. And uh, this news, it, it's going to be... This is a, a lasting uh, lasting news. It's not gonna go away this is this is really weighty stuff uh, so again go to no more casualties org and you'll see some really good write-ups that just have it in bullet form and some nice highlighting uh... of of what the key points are uh, or you can read the two hundred page thing and uh... do the same thing essentially and, and scroll down to the bottom but uh... it's good news and so there's a couple other things that uh... just uh... I was just locating right before the show. I I found this document from the VTA, the Vapor Technology Association, calling the anatomy of the first vapor victory in D.C. Uh, so I'm gonna kind of read through this online uh, on air at the same time and uh, see what the outcome is so it says HR 2058 is no longer an option Uh, last year's attempt to change the predicate date by attaching a writer to the appropriations failed after public attention and unfavorable political dynamics led to the writer becoming toxic in the word of the leadership when the appropriation writer failed in December 2015 the 2016 uh, strategy had to be different a clear a clean predicate date bill was no longer an option so representative cole uh so with representative cole we developed bipartisan language so i think that's wrong um and i might be confused I, I will give myself a coin flip chance of being confused here but my understanding is that hr 2058 is still alive it's still an animal it's still chugging along there's about 50 co-sponsors it does exist however last year there was two things that are being used one was the appropriations rider into that i believe it was the farm bill or it might have gone into the general omnibus uh, and that was kicked out or and dropped. And this time, it's kind of the same thing. There's H.R. 2050, 2058 that is still cooking. And then there was this other attempt to try and do the same thing in the appropriations bill. And uh, so what happened with that, um, well, let me just keep on reading. So it says, 2016 steps to success, uh, launch and engage. It's talking about uh, VTA uh, is uh, working with Westfront Strategies, uh, which is a boutique. Of, you know, my understanding it's a less than a ten-person-sized uh, lobbying firm in uh, on Capitol Hill. Uh, and VTA hires the DC firm to uh, work on the bill, change the narrative. VTA team uh, immediately began delivering its message. Of the need of the of responsible industry standards, coupled with recognition of the norms, hope of abr products. Yeah, well, I think we all knew all that. Uh, build the coalition. V- VTA understood that there were more allies out there than have ever been engaged in our issues, and I believe they're talking about alliances with tobacco. VTA reached out to groups with great respect on Capitol Hill and Common, yeah, the the tobacco companies have a lot of respect because they, they fund the coffers of the politicians, uh, to share our concerns with the pending FDA regulations. The effort helped as, as at least a dozen new voices spoke out um, about the inappropriateness of the FDA's proposals. I think there's still 50 or more now along with 2058 create bipartisan support. Uh, We understood the importance of bipartisan support for changing the predicate date. Understanding the key concerns of the members of Congress and the traditional opponents of vapor, we advocated for language that specifically addressed those concerns. Now, uh, I actually had this interview on DIY or Die. Uh, I haven't spoken to this uh, since it's happened on this program, but I am very, very concerned about the language that was input by the VTA and I believe it's it's highly highly risky language and I'll go into this work with the leadership Uh, VTA's team at Westfront strategies work with the house leadership and their staff to impress the importance of changing the predicate date while making the first attempt to regulate vapor products while Change the predicate date while m- making the first attempt to regulate vapor products in a manner that protects our protects our growing industry and protects the public. Then the next bullet is execute. on uh, Between April 11th and 17th, there was 30 meetings conducted with a House Appropriations Committee that focused policy messages to key districts, yada yada, uh, worked with uh, numerous advocacy groups exchanging information, on, uh, the committee members, on which committee members needed to be called. I'm not sure which advocacy groups. By that evening, April 18th, a full committee roll call, and we had a good feeling about the vote the next day. Win number one. On April 19th, uh, marked the first victory in D.C., the first vapor victory in D.C. I don't think that's true. There's been other victories, but if that's what they need to say they're saying it Representative Cole and Representative Stanford uh, co-sponsored an amendment to cha- uh, to change the predicate date and save thousands of small vapor businesses five Republicans and two Democrats rose in favor of the change and spoke about vapor harm reduction and the need to protect small vapor companies the House Appropriations voted 31 to 19 to adopt a bill then the last part of this uh, before I start talking to it uh, thank you thank uh, you While we worked uh, to achieve this milestone, we certainly did not take the first step alone. A special thank goes out to CASAW, uh, industry groups like uh, the VISTA members, uh, Georgia Smoke Free Association, Ohio Smoke Free Association, Tennessee Smoke Free Association, Utah Smoke Free Association, Texas E-Cigarette and Vapor Association, and VapoVet uh, for working with us and delivering a great message and helping secure key votes to change the predicate date alright so there it is um, what I don't understand right now and it's why um, I've spoken to Tony a couple times before um, and uh, this was like going back a ways this is 2015 uh, I will reach out to him again I've got his phone number I will try to see if I can get him on the show if he wants to come on because um, I do have questions about this and I do have concerns about it um, and so when he's saying that they built the coalition, what I'm seeing that is not there are uh, groups like uh, I see that there is vape event, but I don't see no more casualties. I don't see Safada. I don't see the American Vaping Association. And to me, uh, particularly the, those last two, Safada uh, and AVA are, are super critical. So I don't know maybe they've they've been talking uh behind the scenes and stuff but it is notable that they're not listed because i think uh safada has a mile or two lead on any other race cars getting into this race um so i would hope that people would consult consult safada and whatever companies are associated with with the vta i don't know if uh if, uh, VTA is just out there to eat Safada's lunch or, or what the whole story on that is. Uh, and that's one question I would ask Tony, if he comes on is what is the relationship with Safada and, uh, the AVA and how that works. Let me go ahead and play right now. Um, what is my concern? So I just need to find the clip. All right. So what I'm about to play is, uh, starting off with the, this is the, uh, the the victory lap memo that just came out from uh, vta uh is talking about this hearing and so when they talked about the people that rose in support of this legislation here are the three that that just jumped out to me and uh when all of this was going on i was listening to the hearing um and then i also and uh, i was driving and listening to the hearing um uh, and I also listened uh, while I was driving to uh, Tony, who went on uh, with Dimitri on the the new network, which is Smoke Free Radio. Um, so there's a plug. Uh, so here is what the chairman is saying, and then it's going to go to the bill author, and then it's going to go to the it's going to go to the Democrat support who flipped his vote from the last year. So what VTA has said they've done is that they've taken the legislation from last year, they've, they've done their best to figure out what modifications to the control of vapor products could they give in as concessions to get them to change the predicate date. So those, what my concern is, is the nature of those concessions that were put in to flip the votes. What are the implications of that? And uh, so that, I'll go ahead and play it. So here it is.
1: Bishop, and others here. Uh, I support FDA regulation of these products, and this amendment calls for FDA to move swiftly with a number of consumer protection standards, including battery safety, marketing restrictions to protect our young people, and new labeling requirements like keep out of reach of children.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just going to to interrupt and, and talk when, when I see something that needs to be talked. So, uh, th- this video is already out on YouTube. Uh, it's also out on uh, on uh, Facebook. So, uh, let me continue to play them. The
1: amendment does not obstruct in any way FDA's authority to regulate flavored products, which the agency has said it intends to do.
0: By- so, what he's saying is that the FDA is intending to regulate flavors. Now, why he's talking about that in a bill that has concessions, I don't understand why. Um, He's the least strongly worded on this, but he's, he's already interjecting to... He's the chairman, so he's trying to lean on people, and he's leaning on people with saying that this new bill is favorable to banning flavors, and that's because... They believe that a flavor such as a gummy bear should never be used by an adult, would never be used by an adult, and only can be used by a child, and it only appeals to child. That's what the argument of the anti-vaping groups are. So he's echoing that. And he's echoing it as leaning on the members of the appropriation committee to get what he wants done for the special interest in this case, the LA, the American Cancer Society, the anti-vaping groups he's trying to get their support
1: requiring FDA to move more quickly in implementing these safety standards
0: okay so that re- that raises a concern with me too because it requires the FDA to move more quickly that's not a good thing we've had a bill that has been very difficult for the FDA to manage uh, and to, for the FDA to apply to vapor products because it was never designed for vapor products. So in 2009, we, we had this law that, they, that uh, they tried to take them off the market, and then the judge whacked them back in his shape and said, you're going to have to use this law. This is the only law that we are aware of that you can use, and that was held up by the appellate court. So the appellate court told them also that you have to use the Tobacco Control Act. They've been fumbling and trying to figure out how to make the Tobacco Control Act work for vapor products for years. You know, six years, six solid years, and they've, they've been frustrated. So what now the chairman of this committee is saying is that this new amendments, these tweaks are going to enable the FDA to move faster. That is not a good thing. That is not a good thing. This approach constitutes
1: a drastic departure from that taken by this committee last year, addressing many of the valid concerns raised by a number you in this room
0: so it's a drastic change it's not it's not similar at all we knew what we had last year and now vta has put in these things and it's addressed all of the concerns supposedly so what is that that's what goes through my head you've changed it it's addressed the concerns and now the votes are going to happen and suddenly you, you're, you're flipping a whole bunch of votes, and then none of the anti-vaping groups, I've seen not a single one of them say anything about this. They look like the chest cat up in the tree. They're just smiling, and they're not saying a word. <clears throat> so- the
2: Agapropes bill last year regarding the marketing of these products to children and to youth. Uh, it includes restrictions on vapor products, frankly, that go further than the
0: FDA's deeming rule and are consistent with the Okay, so he just said that these new changes go further than the deeming rule. This is not just a, a simple bloody predicate change. It's going further. It's enabling. They've got a law that barely works. Barely works to control uh, vaping products. They, they've been working at it hard. And now these changes are enabling things to happen. You know, it's not in the bill. That's what you think. Well, fine you have no idea what's going on in the back rooms. You have no idea. You weren't in those meetings unless you want to say that you were. So all you should be listening to is what the bill author is now saying that these changes are doing. And let's listen exactly to his words to what these changes are doing. FDA's current treatment of cigarettes.
2: Importantly, my amendment would require the agency to take a category-wide
0: approach in regulating this emergency market instead of a piecemeal look—that—that that means. Okay, it's a category way of doing that. That means that instead of just you know looking at it one twosie you can strike out things in mass. So, what would that be useful? What what could that be useful? What are these VTA changes that are a drastic change that can now be used as a category? What is the author of the bill going to say that these changes do? Let's listen.
2: Effectively, if you found a flavor or something that you thought was particularly, uh, you know, um, uh, inappropriate, you could ban it for all these products, not simply handle one product at a time, where literally the product might stay on, uh, uh, you know, that wasn't regulated for years. So actually, in some ways, it enhances and simplifies the FDA's regulatory in this particular area
0: alright so uh, let me go back to that what I'm saying is that it is unequivocal that The bill is being proffered as the ability to go after flavors as a category in specific relationship to vapor products, which is something that the FDA currently does not have the ability to do. The deeming document does not go after flavors and says that the only way they could go after flavors is if they applied a gigantic tobacco standard that has not been proposed. That tobacco standard, if they were going to attempt to go after flavors, needs to have public comments. And it's not going to be an easy thing, as, as what I said earlier, is that you, ha- you there's so much data out there that supports that flavors are in a way that is effective for adults to quit smoking, that it would be of public health harm to remove flavors. That's what the current law is they can't do it they can't even go after the little cigars yet they still haven't figured out that way they've been having a heck of a time applying the vapor products so we know the animal that we have we know that the dangers that we have we can have people and groups and whoever out there speculating of what the fta can do or you can listen to what the law says you can read the law and see exactly what they can do and right now they don't have that ability they can talk about them wanting the ability, but they don't have it. And the courts will beat them back if they try and do it. And there's, they would lose. They, they cannot show with science that it's in the public health benefit to remove flavors. They can't even show that flavors are, are appealing to children in the way that they present it. The data doesn't support it. So when the VTA, the Vapor Tobacco Association, comes out and they start messing with a bill and they start putting in things... As I said earlier, damn straight, I'm going to look exactly what they're doing. And as I said earlier, I listen is the way I learn. I, I don't just read. And so listen to what they said.
2: These products to children and to youth. <clears throat> so, the Agapropes Bill last year regarding the marketing of these products to children and to youth. Uh, it includes restrictions on vapor products, frankly, that go further than the FDA's deeming rule and are consistent with the FDA's current treatment of cigarettes. Importantly, my amendment would uh, require the agency to take a category-wide approach in regulating this emergency market instead of a piecemeal. Approach. That, that means effectively if you found a flavor or something that you thought was particularly uh, you know, um, uh, inappropriate, you could ban it for all these products, not simply handle one product at a time, where literally the product might stay on, uh, uh, you know, that wasn't regulated for years. So actually, in some ways, it enhances and simplifies the FDA's regulatory authority in this, particularly, in this particular area.
0: Okay, I, I think that's absolutely clear. What he's saying is the um, what the amendments do. He's saying that it goes further than the deeming. It, 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 it Therefore, if it goes further than the deeming, it's going further than the final rule. And it gives them more abilities. And those abilities are being touted as the ability to go after flavors as a category approach that makes it simpler to remove them all. And if that doesn't freak you out, if you're not concerned about that, you you should take a pause and think again. This bill is not done. It is still marching its way through. It needs to go through a reconciliation with the Senate. But the way it's being talked about by the, the good old boys in this room is that it's going to have, these changes are going to go in with, and they're going to be able to go after Flavors. They are saying that straight out loud unequivocal it he said it has the ability it gives them new abilities the first guy said it gives them new abilities and allows them to increase their timeline these are not good things and so when the vapor technology association is touting these things as as wonderful i don't know why i don't know why and that's my own personal ignorance because i've looked to see what they're saying And they're saying things that are bloody dangerous to the industry. So here's the last guy, and he's a Democrat that switched his vote. And also, and this amendment will also allow the FDA
2: to focus on restricting the use of flavors that appeal to kids. Uh, I believe this amendment now addresses my concern that I had about children, where they don't target children and minors, and therefore... I do support the Cole Bishop Amendment. I yield back the balance of my time. Chair recognizes himself.
0: So that's what was said. Uh, You've got three guys, they're all talking about flavors, and the Democrat that shifts it says, yeah, last year I voted against it. This year I'm just going to stand up and talk to you about the ability to go after flavors. And that's why I'm switching my vote. And again, if you don't believe your own lying ears, if you don't believe your ears, whatever that saying is that uh, lying eyes applied to your ears, if you don't believe what they just said, what you should believe is a countercheck of that. Where is glance saying, oh my God, this is the worst thing. If this is not the biggest bloody Trojan horse installed by VTA, if it's not that, Wouldn't a good check of that be that the anti-vaping groups are freaking out, that they're saying, oh my God, the first vapor win ever in in Washington, D.C., hallelujah, says VTA. Why aren't the the anti-vaping groups freaked out? Somebody tell me. I I wish somebody would because all I know is that they're marching this thing through and we know they are stymied with the current law. We know that. And if you you wanna bring in uh, some of these regulatory lawyers, if you wanna bring in every, I'm perfectly willing to talk about what it would take to create a, a brand new tobacco standard that addresses flavors. And if you read the law, it's not an easy hurdle. It's not even, nobody's sure if it can be done. And, and so all of this is being done under the hopes of that changing the predicate date. Now, the predicate date, from the articles that I've seen, from the information that I've seen, it's not defined to a certain time. What it could be defined to is 2014 instead of 2017. What it could be is 2015. What it could be is the date that the final rule drops. It could be any of those things. It's not defined and my understanding is it it needs to be whatever the predicate date change in the first part, which gets all the uh, the writers in it, whatever whatever those things are, uh, it's it's it, ha- it has to be defined. So let's just assume, uh, a best-case scenario, well, the best-case scenario is it's immediately on. So it's 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 once the final rule happens. So then uh, does, does a product that has a picture of its bottle in, in a trade magazine suddenly mean that that bottle can be sold out to everybody um, and that they don't have to do any regulatory compliance other than registering their facilities? The answer is, you know, we don't know for sure, uh, but I'm very doubtful. And, and what I think is that if the predicate jane, uh, predicate date is changed at this late stage of the game, that the FDA could be quite onerous, that it might just actually piss them off uh, if as, as they roll in there. And so you're going to say, is who the hell cares? Why should I care uh, how the FDA reacts? Well, if the FDA is pushed back in a corner, just like any animal, it's going to react you know, swiftly and harshly, uh, as, as it feels threatened. So I, I don't, you know, they all have their, these are people at the FDA and, and they're, you know, they're, they're humans. So if, if they feel like they're pushed around, who knows what they're going to do. Um, I, I know people just hated what I just said. Let me go back to another section where if the date becomes 2015, say, let's just say it's, uh, December 2015, four, four months ago. That's where your product had to be on the market to get grandfathered. And you're going to have to show somehow through either uh, bills of materials, uh, recipes, uh, uh, you know, bills of lading that your uh, your product is, is what it is and it was out on the market in that place. Uh, and so if you go back to what Bill Godshell was saying and... And obviously, he's an astute guy who, who I, I disagree with him at times, but I, he, he does a lot of homework. There's unquestionable about that. But what he says is that the FDA can go after things like simple label changes, simple packaging changes that they could, you know, so if you push the, the predicate date, they might just become super sticklers on all the other levers and tools that they can use to regulate vapor products. So what's the worst case scenario here? It's, it's January, if your product was on January 1, 2016, your product is grandfathered, you know, if first of this year, four months ago. You're going to then say, I want to show you what my product is, and I want to prove to you that it was being marketed back in January. So you pull up your, your your vape news magazine, and you show them a picture of your bottle, and you show that it was trade, and you can, and you can say, look, this product was being sold. And you show them the picture, and that picture shows that it does not have a cellophane safety uh, shrink wrap around the bottle lid. It doesn't show that in Vape News Magazine. And so you have to now show somehow that your product had that back on the predicate date because that's that's not just a trivial change to the packaging it's a material change it's a change that is likely required by law and so you were selling a product with without the safety shield the only proof is that there was no tamper proof stuff there was no Tylenol bottle on this thing that that they, that there was no tamper evidence seal on it that's the only thing you can show and then you have to comply with the new law so you're going to have to wrap it with a compliant a product a shield and so now the FDA rather than you know trying to figure out ways to, to do things you know m- maybe this predicate change gets you absolutely squat because they basically said yeah look your product that you show us doesn't have the safety seal. It needs to have a safety seal. The the, uh, the the law requires that you don't have it. It's thus a new product. And again, this is what Bill Godshaw was saying, is that he was saying that uh, the, uh, a package that uh, from a cigarette going from a soft carton to a hard carton, uh, that was enough to require a, a substantial equivalence report. So maybe you can go ahead and do a substantial equivalent. I'm just saying that the promise of the predicate date by itself has a whole bunch of catches on it. So now that the Vapor Technology Association has put in these items, which I believe are poison pills effectively, uh, to the law, that uh, it's probably going to kill the predicate date when people find out what these things do. Like for example, one of the things that was put in was battery safety. So they want the FDA to regulate battery safety. Does I think there's a good chance that once you go to battery safety, you're gonna give the FDA an in on all the hardware. I don't know, uh I don't know who on earth thinks that the FDA should be you know doing batteries research except for things like pacemakers uh things that are, are implanted into the body uh things that are used for uh insulin pumps or things like that batteries like that are important uh but this is if you give them an in on batteries it's a problem if you give them an in on uh on flavors it's a problem so you know, I, I wonder out loud if the Democrats and the anti-vaping groups are just laughing at this because they know that they've now inserted enough poison pills into this bill to where when the, the the industry figures out what's coming along with this, that they'll say they'll reject the bill. Kind of like what happened to Leno in California. When the changes got made and when he figured out what the changes were going to be, he just abandoned it. And maybe they're they're playing that gamble with us. Again... You know, I wasn't in the meetings. All I can go is by what was said afterwards. I just, I listened to the, the big, uh, you know, everybody uh, pat each other on the back with Dimitri and uh, Tony on uh, on uh, Dimitri's uh, podcast. Um, they think everything's fine. Uh, I just read the, uh, the memo which VTA put out. Uh, they think everything's fine. Um, I think there's a lot of problems still. And I would like to hear... Uh, other people um, those are my views and you know uh, I'm, I'm just going to play this again uh, to see maybe if you uh, if, if, if you hear this anything differently than I do you think that this guy is not talking about uh, banning flavors and giving new abilities do, do you think to me when I hear this it sounds like the VTA just gave the FDA the ability to go after flavors in a way that they previously did not have. And that is what is riding along in this bill. That is the amendment. Now I'm going to say that based off of this. So tell me if you think I'm wrong. This Bill,
2: last year regarding the marketing of these products to children and to youth, uh, it includes restrictions on vapor products frankly that go further than the FDA's deeming rule and are consistent with the FDA's current treatment of cigarettes. Importantly, my amendment would uh, require the agency to take a category-wide approach in regulating this emergency market instead of a piecemeal. That, that means effectively if you found a flavor or something that you thought was particularly Uh, you know, um, uh, inappropriate, you could ban it for all these products, not simply handle one product at a time where literally the product might stay on, uh, uh, you know, that wasn't regulated for years. So actually in some ways it enhances and simplifies the FDA's regulatory authority in this this particular area.
0: Yeah, the the particular area is flavors. Enhances and increases their regulatory authority. so uh, again, which I and I said in a previous episode, uh, sometimes I feel I'm walking around with pod people. I mean, uh, it's weird to me. It's 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 like, you know, who are these people? I mean, wh- how is that? Uh, you know, I just don't get it. Uh, and you know, if I am somehow massively wrong on this, I I would enjoy to be wrong on it. Uh, I haven't heard anybody articulate why these congresspeople pushing this are saying it has the ability to go after flavors and i don't hear anybody explaining why the anti-veeping groups are mum i don't hear any of that and if vta wants to explain that i would much rather see that than a heroic we did it everybody clapped their hands because what i see is a trojan horse marching through I mean, you, you don't want a Greek to deliver a large, massive structure and then for you to pull it into your castle on the blind faith that it looks artistic. Right now, there's a lot of blind faith that says, oh, this, is, this bill is good. It's great. Pull it in. We want to support that. And what I see is there's a high, much higher probability that there is some Spartans in there that are going to jump out in the deep of night. And they're going to blow open the door of the castle. And I say that because that's what they're saying. They're saying it gives them new abilities to ch- uh, go after flavors.
3: When you get a number one, the lonely way down. And if you have a sticky start king,
0: I want to talk a little bit about some of the feedback that I've been getting, and uh, I guess what I'll do is I will read a letter, or a couple letters that I received. first one starts off with uh, Ed Wolf, I liked listening to your show in the beginning, hope you don't completely ruin it by going off on Dimitri every week. They then follow it up with, my whole thing is... I'm not sure if he is right about how much the labels matter or not. This is what I do know, though. If he is right and you are wrong, then you are giving people advice that is going to hurt all vapors. The FDA will be harder on us, and it will take long for us to get things back on track. If he's wrong and you are right, if the FDA doesn't care about the labels and no one is worse off, all he will have done is make people have classier labels, in my opinion. Does that make sense? Other than that, I really like your show so far. Thanks. Uh, just to address it before I go on, is that my perspective is that uh, bad labels, ones that are uh, profane, like the ones that Spike over in New York is putting out, uh, or uh, labels that have a cartoon, or labels that have a, uh, an infringing trademark, that... All of those things are bad, you know, bad boys. But when it comes down to what the FDA will do, they can't really go after things because of the First Amendment and uh, the rights of of, uh, businesses to be able to put out marketing information that is covered by the First Amendment. So while they may be distasteful, uh, and I agree on, on, on many of them, Uh, For example, the Crayola one, I think, is probably the absolute worst one, the absolute worst one that I've seen. However, there's nothing that can be done about that. Uh, You can shame the company, try and get it off the market, but behind that one, if you get one of them removed, there's 10 other ones just waiting uh, to be there. And when it comes to the public health groups, they don't really much care how offensive it is because they are already offended uh, by just the term cotton candy, just the term gummy bear, just the term Skittles. Just those words by themselves are enough as a pr- flavor profile for them wa- to wanting to ban flavors. So it's not so much that I agree with them uh, or that I don't think anything should be done. However, I don't think that you're going to be able to capture 100% of the market with whatever shaming that you're doing or whatever calls that you're making to where it will make a difference in the eyes of the regulators, because there will always be, say, ten percent. Just just to pull out a number, there will always be ten percent of the market that does that, and with ten percent of the market that you can never get access to, that you can never turn, uh, that is going to be enough for the regulators to s- pluck that example and say that's it for everybody. So my argument is that if you spend all your energy. You know just basically trying to castigate and and just go after these these companies it's going to really destroy the vaping community um and and by the way what i mean by destroy it's just going to make it like you know uh everybody is watching everybody uh one company comes after another company everybody has to be fearful of the next guy uh, you know the larger companies come after the smaller companies uh and and it 's just going to be that this game of throwing rocks at each other now, if those rocks were good enough to be able to take out all of the bad labels that'd be one thing, but there will always be that ten percent that survives. And, and it's, I don't think it's worth all the attention, all the effort when that effort can be being used for other things that are productive. For example, organizing against cities and, and, and localities that are going after vaping. Uh, that would be a great use of time rather than everybody to, uh, hug and sing Kumbaya because they've reported a company with an IP infringing label, uh, and, and they're, they're getting them all, uh, getting them all they think they're rounding them all up it's that will never round them all up the horses have jumped over the gate the barn door was left open they're out uh, you're just not going to be able to catch all of them so you have to focus on what's important and what's important is going to be just proper labeling and pr- and the ability to get past the regulations. So regulatory compliance is a big deal in my book. Um, the TPD, uh, the FDA requirements for uh, for registration and for the PMTA and the substantial equivalents. Um, Yes, we're, we're, we've been talking a lot about uh, what's going to happen with the predi- the potential predicate de- uh, change and the potential uh, grandfather, which I guess they're they're saying that they're the same thing, but uh, the term predicate is often used uh, for an SE application. SE is substantial equivalence. So there's three pathways to get past the FDA. One is a pre-market uh, approval. Uh, and that's a PMTA, the other is a SE application, my understanding is currently that that SE application can only be used in comparison to your own company's product. So, say uh, Royan or Enjoy had a product out in 2009. If Even if uh, the predicate date was changed, or the grandfather date, whatever, you're not going to be able to compare against that product because it's not yours. I've looked at the law itself, there's an and in there, and uh, there's two requirements. Uh, if it said or, you'd be able to compare to somebody else's product. My understanding uh, through some letters to uh, the FDA for clarification is that the predicate product must be your own. And it's been a while, it's been six months since I looked at that, so uh, maybe things have changed, maybe there's been some further clarifications of the FDA. But just because you have your product on the market and you want to compare to an older product, it's it's not necessarily going to be available unless it's from your own company. And the last one is substantial equivalence exemption, uh, which that is something I've been saying enables the FDA to do a tremendous amount of things, uh, a lot of different options. It gives them fantastic capabilities of flexibility. And that is something that I am trying to work with the FDA to maximize the ability of, by by being friendly and working with the FDA, I believe that uh, they will be more likely to allow some things to pass through without without them just raking over the coals. They have the ability to rake anybody over the coals. Ask any, anybody that's FD, uh, worked with the FDA. They can just unload on you. So, uh, digressing quite a lot, but if a grandfather date is changed and thrust upon the FDA, the FDA still has the capability of using the Tobacco Control Act in much more harsh ways than... Just allowing the products to sustain themselves on the market. Um, For example, what I'm considering is if your product is on the market before the grandfather date, you're going to have to establish, in my opinion, more than just your label was being sold at XYZ store. You're going to have to provide some sort of paperwork of constituents of that product and be able to establish that that's how you mixed it and made it and and some sort of information um i i just believe that makes sense because you can't just show a picture of something in a in a trade magazine and say look we were selling it um for a product that is used in as inhalation that's my that's my belief, uh those are actually some more details than that what I really wanted to, wanted to say right here, but uh to that first letter that I received, um uh, my concern is not um that these labels are good or the f d a will like uh, like them it's that the f d a does not have the capability to go after them for a whole bunch of different reasons, and that it's it's not a good use of resources to focus on this to get the feel good that we're doing something when in actuality we're spinning our wheels and uh, I I believe literally that the focus on the labels and the focus on the IP infringement is akin to changing the sheet music and rearranging the chairs of the band on the deck. The next letter I got was um, reads as such. Here it is. Uh, Hi Ed. Says their name. I'm an avid vapor who has been relatively involved in many aspects of vaping advocacy and DIY for a bit over five years. I listened to to a couple of your shows, heard you on Wayne's show, and Wayne's show is the DIY or die people. I, I did an interview with them. Um, On Wayne's show and also on Kevin's show last week. The reason I'm writing is that I'm afraid of the direction you appear to be taking regarding advocacy. Now, Webster's defines advocacy as the act or process of supporting a cause. In listening to your podcasts, I'm not really clear on what exactly you're advocating for. I'm not sure there is a central cause, but it is But it seems to be muddled by your personal attacks on vape personalities and organizations you are seemingly in conflict with. Personal attacks are never attractive to an audience, Uh, perhaps a sentence here or there, but devoting an entire broadcast to rants about one one or two people in particular begins to sound like a terrier nipping at someone's heels. You are very well-spoken and have an affable broadcast personality, but I have to tell you, I download the VP Live broadcast to listen to a while back while I walk uh, the boardwalk. They are usually entertaining and informative, but the negativity and the personal attacks make them difficult to listen to. Just some friendly feedback. Like I said, I like your personality, your passionate personality, and you have an opportunity to reach the community maybe uh some more positive talking points all the best so um uh, uh, obviously a, a very nice letter um and so i you know I, I take their feedback well um and i i don't want it uh, to be perceived as simple personal attacks um and the, the person that we're talking about, uh, for the most part, I believe, is going to be Dimitri. Although, um, when they're talking about organizations, uh, I've got some issues with various organizations. And it's not just uh, Dimitri, but uh, let's be frank, sure, it, it's a lot to do with Dimitri. Uh, so, I don't have any real personal issue with Dimitri. I, I do want to make that clear. I don't know him. I never met him. I probably never will meet him uh, and so uh, all I can deal with is what he says on the air as far as his Facebook he's he's clearly an adamant family man who who really cares about his children and um, that's something that's important uh, to me uh, you know uh, I came from a divorced family so uh, you know uh, I am always uh, there's a some amount of jealousy that I have to any kids being raised in a dual parent home. I think it's fantastic, and and I wish him all the best. And I'm sure he's a very good father, and and I'm sure he's a very good friend to uh, to people around him that he knows. Uh, all that being said, uh, I'm not. I don't care about that because I'm not here to talk about that. I'm not here to uh, judge that or praise that. And it's 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 immaterial to. What I want to be talking about with advocacy now, Dimitri puts himself out uh, as an advocate, and he says a lot of things, and he has a lot of opinions, and he goes off on a lot of rants, and all that's well known. Well, I mean, uh, when when somebody does that, and when they when they're speaking for, uh, when when they seem to be asserting themselves as speaking for the way that things ought to be, uh, then there's other people in a similar vein as him that are going to say. I either agree, I don't care, or I disagree. And for the items that I've been bringing up, I've disagreed. Now, one of the things that, uh, about me, uh, in general is, uh, that I tend to be vocal, um, and I tend to, uh, in the classroom, uh, I would raise my hand and talk back to the teachers. And when I mean talk back to the teachers, I would talk back to the teachers. My mother was a PTA president. For some reason, I thought that, uh, that, uh, I wasn't going to get damaged by the teachers. Uh, so yeah, I would talk back to the teachers. It also turns out, and as I've spoken before that, uh, I, I believe I have actual add and what i did in grade school is i had a very hard time reading books lengthy books i could devour short bits of information uh which makes the internet very easy for me uh because i'm able to just dig and surf I, It's 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 add is is wonderful for surfing it's some people call it you know people are always hunting and hunting but because i could not um uh, just absorb the information from the books. I absorb the information from interacting and listening to the teacher. So when I listen, uh, I, I think I listen with a little more, uh, effort because I'm always engaging in, in the, when I'm always thinking about what I can say back to the person. So when Dimitri puts out this mass of information, um, that I, that I listen closely to and I take issue with some of the things he says. And, uh, I also have got a pretty good memory. So I remember a lot of things that he, uh, ha- has said. So those are the things that, that I want to address. And so I want to address them and I want to address them in a way that is not going to be shy about being critical. Uh, because if I do think it's the wrong way to go, I want to say that. And does that make me necessarily right? No, uh, do I think that I'm being earnest and honest and correct with what I'm saying? Absolutely. I, I do think that. And uh, there's a saying that the truth has a certain sound to it, uh, like a bell. Uh, I hope that what I'm saying has that air, that that sound uh, of the truth to it, because I, I don't try to BS. Another thing about me is that I absolutely believe in straight talk. I believe that people should not just sit in a room and, and just not voice their objections. If if somebody has an objection, they should raise it. At a certain point, especially in a corporation, uh, after you raise your, your objections, you have to disagree and commit uh, to the plan. Uh, how that's going to work with vaping, it's, it's kind of unknown, uh, but... I believe that if sometimes there's things that are not being said, and uh, sometimes I'll hear often on on many broadcasts that people will say things like, I saw on Facebook this person writing, I had this conversation with this person, I'm not going to call out this person. I work differently. If I see somebody doing something and saying something and they're doing it publicly, that's fair game. Let's call them out. If I say something uh, that you disagree with, then call me out. Uh, Do it by name. Uh, Do me that favor. Uh, So uh, there are things that, and and I believe that if you do just air the problems out that it, it solves the problem faster it's as opposed to nursing a, a bleeding wound forever uh, it It's better to uh, take a hot branding iron, cauterize the wound and seal it up uh, rather than just to have this thing that's ongoing so I'd rather say it and cancel it out now and that's kind of how I feel about a lot of this stuff with uh, you know, vapors like the, the vaping militia where they're having an active program of uh, going behind the scenes and and calling up uh, different IP companies and uh, seeing if they can uh, have the, the the IP holder go after uh, after the, these people's labels. Uh, there's a famous example of where the vaping militia went after one of their own supporters that had given them upwards of $10,000 plus, and they reported that vendor into an IPL order. And the problem being, in this spe- that specific case, is that there's not a single individual involved with the vaping militia that has the competence, the understanding, or the ability to read a trademark and have the ability to say that that trademark is infringing on it. They, they're just reporting things just to report them. And there's a good example that came up with Sour Dream, which is not related to the vaping militia. But I, I looked up the whole IP on that, and uh, Sour Dream had no infringing characteristics against the uh, the IP. And there was a person from a company down in Florida that also confirmed that, you know, the person that does, their, I guess think it was their lawyer. But So if you have the, the vaping militia going after these companies, and they're doing it behind the scenes which is something that I just dislike in general I'd rather I would rather somebody insult me to my face and tell me what they think's wrong with me than uh than to do it behind my back so what they're what the vaping militia doing is doing this all behind the back and i just listened to the Knocknor guy on uh, the smoke free radio that says that's his now his his plan of attack is that he doesn't say anything on facebook because he thinks that that might cause strife so he just goes and just does it behind the scenes like you know this is his little pet project is to go and fuck around with people's companies um Now, if he knows that it's an IP infringing thing, uh, can't he just assume that the IP holder also knows that or... You know Why is he getting involved with a business-to-business relationship that has no business to do with him? And we already know that the FTC is the people that guide uh, labels, and, and it's not uh, an IP infringement, rather. The FTC, FT, Federal Trade Commission, uh, is the people that are responsible for that, and also the civil courts. It has nothing to do with the FDA. So... You know that that's somehow a thing that people are burning time on is is trying to figure out if uh, if something if if a box of cereal that is the generic store brand looks close enough to Lucky Charms to where Lucky Charms can go after them. That's just an absolute waste of time. So rather than just letting that stuff slide. And just saying, ooh, there's people. No, there's a guy named Patrick that work uh, that uh, is on smoke free radio. That is part of the vaping militia. That is going around and uh, and doing that. So should I not say Patrick Knocknor, uh, vaping militia? That they're doing this. I don't. What would be the purpose? Why? What would be the purpose of me to say, oh, well, there's some stuff on Facebook, and not tell you what is going on? Because honestly, I don't think that with what's going on with the FDA that we have the time to burn on this type of stuff because when the FDA, I think the FDA is, you know, clearly they're within six months. I think it's faster than that. But when the FDA comes, there's six month clocks that trigger right away. Things are going to start to happen. And as I said in the, the last show or it could have been on the DIY or die show is that they will, they have the capability to go in and take products off the shelf so if you're an unlucky store owner in this scenario which I think it, they have the ability to do, is that if you're an unlucky store owner, you're going to get your inventory taken off the shelf. And I don't know when you're going to get paid back for that inventory, or if the original companies will never pay you back, or if you're just going to be shit out of luck and your inventory is gone and you don't got nothing to sell. I do not know. But as I said, that I read the the FDA CTP budget, Center for Tobacco Products budget for 2017, and they talk about what they did in 2015 you know, kind of a, you know, uh, here's our accomplishments for 2015. In 2015, the Center for Tobacco Products inspected 160,000, that's 160K, retail locations for infringement to uh, CTP policies, uh, Policies uh, Center for Tobacco Products, so the FDA, for violations of the FDA pr- uh, policies of uh, selling tobacco products. And so that could be that uh, they certainly do and for certain send in uh, people that are 18 that look 16 uh, and, uh, you know, to, to see if they get carded. Uh, and, you know, they all of this is being done for cigarettes, but they did one hundred and sixty thousand. My best guess or what other people have said often is there's uh, between fifteen and thirty thousand vape vape shops, you know, actual vape shops. So the FDA, with one hundred sixty thousand, can easily say, "Yeah, we've been we've been covering the tobacco stores pretty easily." In twenty sixteen, uh, now that the final uh, the final rule is dropped, we're just gonna inspect every single every single vape shop in the country, every single one. Not not leaving a single one out. You know, uh, they got all the capacity they need to do it. And as I said before in a different show, if you haven't listened to that, they gave out 3,000 fines last year. Uh, And with 3,000 fines, I'm saying they probably had five times as many warnings because, you know, people, you know, people that just keep on screwing up are the ones that are going to get the fines. So say, say anywhere between three and 18,000, you know, warnings were, were delivered. Uh, so the FDA can come at people, and my point is, is that when you got this Knocknor Patrick guy from the Smoke Free Radio Channel saying uh, that he's going around and and you know, isn't it so sweet of him to be uh, calling up and 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 dropping the dime on all these vape companies? Uh, I think it's a waste of time. And then if somehow uh, when you have these. People on smoke-free radio that are that are saying this stuff, they they create a um, an infection. Uh, it's almost like a virus, uh, a virus of stupidity, a virus of of just everybody thinks that that's what they should be doing. So you hear people talking about that have but no no bloody clue whatsoever uh, that you know. Let's go after the uh, the IP infringement because if we do that, the FDA is going to think all better of us and so those are my reasons for adamantly objecting to some of the things that are being said by dimitri smoke-free radio the vaping militia those those are some of the reasons why because i think uh it's a drain of uh of uh psyche or or or, or, uh you know brain power or whatever we want to call it it's just if there is advocacy that can have an effect it's just it's a drain from the system of, of resources because there's only X amount of hours in the day, as people love to say, and you can only do so much. So if everybody is working on labels or they think that uh, creating a face group to report labels and, and you know they can pound their chest and say, look what I did for advocacy, if that's what people want to do, Lord knows I can't stop them but I can say they're wasting their time. Um, and if they want to object to that, if they want to present a case to where they think that going after IP infringement and trying to get, uh, black and white labels and remove, uh, fruit images and remove any, uh, any, uh, two dimensional, uh, art that is put on, uh, the labels, uh, any anime, for example, I think that's the new kick is that people want to remove anime, uh, from labels or, um, or what do they call that? Uh, some, some of the, there's a, a form of uh, tattoo art uh, that uh, um, you know looks uh, looks very trendy. I don't know what the, what it's called, uh, but they want to remove those images. Uh, uh, you know, if people are just going to be going after this stuff, it just doesn't make sense in my view. So that letter was saying that. Uh, what if I am wrong? Um, it's uh it's a it's a big negative but if they're wrong it's just you know no big deal One, I don't think I'm wrong. Uh, I'm more than willing to take phone calls of people that that are going to think that I'm wrong and try and explain to me why I'm wrong. But, you know, one of the things, as I was just saying, uh, I tend to want to speak out in public and not do it behind the scenes. So uh, I'm going to be comfortable enough to have done my research before I talked. However, if you get me on something, if I'm wrong, uh, for example, I was wrong on uh, Evan McMahon in Indiana. Uh, He's been screwed with by a person named Amy Lane uh, to such a degree that that I mean, I got sold on it and I've been able to figure out uh, why uh, I got sold on it. And I was absolutely wrong. So I was heavily critical of Evan uh, and I did it in a public way. Uh, But I'm wrong. I was wrong. And I and I found that out. And I only found that out by being vocal about it rather than people just saying, "Ooh, Indiana screwed up and let's move on to the next state. So if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. And uh, one of the reasons why I'm, I'm uh, happy and elated that uh, Kevin is allowing this show and along with Russ is because this show does have a call in line. And so people can lay back into me and I'm more, you know, I'm uh, I'm more than willing uh, to take the critical phone calls. Um, And uh, if people want to shout whatever, I don't care uh, because I do believe that all vapors uh, are more or less on the same side uh, until it gets to business. And so uh, there are things with different businesses uh, that I've spoken about with Dimitri, which I believe are conflicts of interest to the general proposition of being the general good guy advocate. I think that he is using um, his his advocacy role in a way that uh, is not necessarily get light, the most likely to get the most amount of vendors through. It's advocacy as a weapon for the furtherance of competitive advantage over your, over the marketplace. And so if Dimitri is, is doing these things, and, and I think that I can make a strong case of that they're not good. And, and I think that's enough to speak to them. That is something that should be talked about. Um, and so I'm going to play some clips of of some of the things that, that Dimitri has said in the past that are in my memory uh, that, that I think about. And that might help people understand why I'm trying to address the things that Dimitri is doing and, and these other people are doing and how that is a way that, that people would be foolish to listen to them or to not do things because the real things are going to be coming on. So people, instead of people worrying about sweeping the sidewalks, they need to be worried about battening down the windows, putting up storm uh, windows, because when the FDA comes, they're going to come in a way um, that... Um, Things can be seized. Store half your inventory in your store can get taken away. Uh, you know, after X amount of time, your your store might not be able to sell in various geographic regions of the world, or you know, all sorts of things can happen. Do I think that the FDA is empowered to? Do I believe that the deeming regulations are going to stop the vaping industry from having? Bottles of e-liquid sold. I do not believe that's the case. I do. I, I don't believe that the deeming regulations are a deeming prohibition, uh, and that's the term that Dimitri will use. I do not believe that. And I. Bl- and so, one of the things that I'm doing is I have a small startup business that is trying to uh, sell regulatory services as a pure for-profit business to enable e-liquid makers to get past the fda so that means uh and and the the reason why i'm saying it like that because i want to be absolutely clear i have not asked for any donations uh or anything like that uh You've got a lot of people that go around insinuating that anybody in the vaping industry should be just jaw dropped, shameful or or ashamed of themselves for actually trying to make money in this industry. And I I absolutely disagree with that. Uh, I, you know, if businesses are going to make money, let's support them because the businesses are supporting their customers. So, uh, you know, I believe that, that, there's nobody more interested in the sustainability of vaping for the masses, uh, than a store owner, uh, concerned about all of their customers or a, st- or an e-liquid manufacturer concerned about all of their customers. And so they're the most enabled to fight. Um, so, uh, what I'm trying to do with getting past the regulatory services, it's a real brutal challenge. And one of the reasons why it's still in its startup phase is because we haven't seen the final rule. Uh, but I have read the law and I have read the other stuff and I do believe these things are achievable. I can talk about that somewhere else, but if, if somebody is going to accuse me of trying to make a buck out of uh, the stuff that I'm trying to do, uh, I'm going to say absolutely. I'm going to try and sell the uh, regulatory services at the lowest possible price that uh, can actually get past the FDA or the TPD. Um, And the TPD is something I'm I'm developing, and uh, there's other people that are way farther ahead than me on that, Uh, so I don't know if I'll ever uh, be able to approach what they're already doing, but who knows. Uh, So it's a business for me. And if you want to know how much that business has paid me in all of my time and working on this, the, if the answer is zero. If, if I was to go on to Shark Tank and they'd say, what are your sales? And I would say, I'm pre-revenue. So it's what the goal is. Um, so I want to play some clips uh, of, of some of the stuff. Uh, the first clip I'm going to play is... After I laid out the whole plan and the whole structure, my I put out my entire business plan of how I would get this project to try and do what it's going to do, and, and it's changed over time. But it was it, it's still essentially there. Uh, the, the The model for Via is uh, a rock soup model, uh, which is uh, that you got a whole bunch of idiots in town that uh, don't don't want to. Uh, uh, work together and they're all going to die of famine and uh, some stranger walks in throws a rock in the uh, the pot and says you know it's going to taste fantastic be super nutritious but if you can just you know toss in some onions and uh, you got you over there at the other part of town if you can just drop in a little bit of chicken you know and eventually everybody kicks in enough and everybody can eat that's the it's an old fable that's essentially what the via model is so it's if we get enough people together we should be able to get past the FDA that's that's the simple simple idea of it so after I did a long presentation on Russ's show uh, talking about what the um, what that model was I'm going to play uh, what Dimitri said the next day oh and some uh, before we do this as, um, as some background for some of the newer listeners when I started vaping i had no clue none and so i went to ecf and i did a lot of stuff um when i ever the reason why i had a facebook account is so i wouldn't have to type in another fake idea in any uh, message board that i was using so i put in a um an id uh for the mysterious doctor who which is Tom Baker. He was the actor that played it. It'd be equivalent of uh, putting in a name of William Shatner, except it's, uh, it's just not as well-known as Captain Kirk, right? Just a you know, anybody in the UK would go, oh, Tom, ba-, you know, but it was just a simple thing. So then I could go to over to a forum and, and give my Facebook ID and just be able to get through and not have to worry about it. Say if I wanted to comment on a stupid article. I didn't have to do it and why on earth on the internet, uh, with everything that I know about different entities in Silicon Valley, why would I ever want to put my information out there when I know what they can do with it? Uh, you know, why would I want to insert myself into the key tables, um, and, and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, so when I started vaping, I had no clue. So I started on ECF with the ID Tom Baker and, uh, and so then when I released this project, when I announced the project after, you know, obviously arguing with people on ECF and, and getting banned off of it, uh, and actually... Uh, After getting banned, I think I am, uh, Kevin will have to check this, but I believe I'm the only person to be banned from VP Live ever. I was banned in the chat room of VP Live. Uh, After I got banned from these different things, I then came back on Russ's show and had some conversations and then ultimately announced what the VIA was. I then explained that my name was not Tom Baker, it was Ed Wolf. So if you hear these clips and if you ever hear Dimitri or anybody else referring to me as Tom or Tom Baker, that's me. Uh, and, uh, so that's because, uh, it was the internet and you don't want to put out your real information now, obviously, uh, with Facebook, uh, they're just sucking up my information and they've got it. So uh, there I am. I've been, uh, uh, I've been tagged. Um, so anyway, uh, there it is.
4: Uh, a couple more things that I want to touch on, uh, before I get into my rant, um, obviously, Tom Baker, um, and, and I'm not going to spend it. Russ did a whole show on this if you want to listen to it. It's on the archives of the VVP Live Network. Uh, I have said many times here, and I think his name is Edward Wolf now. I'm not sure. I think it's Edward Wolf. It was Tom Baker, but now it's Edward Wolf. Um, he's, he's creating a new advocacy group, and I wish him nothing but success. As I've said here in the past many times, anybody that, that goes out there and tries to do good, whatever it is, I support it. I might might not agree with you 100% on everything that you're saying, like every other advocacy group that's out there. But if you're trying to do something good, you're trying to step up, I will certainly support that. Will I give you a platform? Uh, Depends. (laughs) It depends. However, Tom slash Edward has a couple of things going against him here. Number one, he's used a fake name for the past two years (laughs) online. I mean, how do you take somebody, if you're a business, how do you take somebody seriously that doesn't have the balls to put the real name, you know, I'm me, I'm Dimitri, there's my Facebook, there's my family, my kids, you see everything, everything that I've done in this community, I've done it publicly. You use a fake Alice all this time, and all of a sudden you use your real name and say, hey, I'm here, and I want to make a difference. Nobody's going to take you seriously. But the biggest problem that Tom slash Edward has going against him is that he has pissed off and criticized every advocate in this in this industry uh, that has really done. A, I mean, from Bill Godshaw to Gregory Conley to Cassa to Spada attacking using lies. You have burnt a lot of bridges i wish you nothing but success i really do i support anybody but you my friend have a long uphill battle trying to get anybody to believe any word that you're saying
0: all right so uh... there was uh... i enjoyed listening to that as much as i enjoyed being inside the chat room uh... and listening to to tell me that when i was in the chat room and uh... Not having him allow me to respond or call into his show, Uh, you know, he he pre-announced that he was going to have a rant, and uh, I was there. uh, I was able to uh, respond, and he he wouldn't he wouldn't let me. Uh, There's a couple things I definitely want to respond to is. Yes, I attacked Bill Godchill or <laughs> I was critical of Bill Godchill. Yes, I was very critical of uh, Kassaw back in the day. Uh, no, I did not go after Greg Connolly, and no, I did not go after Safana. Uh, those are inaccurate, uh, and what I am adamant about is that I never lied about anything i i didn't lie i don't have the capacity to lie and be as vocal as i am because i wouldn't be able to re go back in time and and, and recapitulate what i said when if i was trying to play games with lies i just have to know what i said and know that i, I thought it was the truth because i don't have the ability to to carry the information if i'm carrying uh half truths and lies i just don't um so i wasn't lying uh and so that is what I got, which is uh, him telling people not to trust me and uh, people not to, to believe a word out of my mouth. Um, I've never said that about him. I don't think I've ever said anything even close to that. Uh, and I, t- I spoke with him uh, afterwards. Uh, actually, I texted him on Facebook. He didn't want to take a phone call and i you know i thought i had negotiated with him that he would at least remove these remarks as far as me lying uh and as far as uh the safada and the greg thing um i thought i had that agreement then as time went by he never went and did it so that was that um so maybe some of you are gonna say after listening to that is ah there it is uh you must hate dimitri well no uh, i didn't um after that is when uh, uh i i received some feedback uh that I should try and work on my relationship with dimitri which i listened to and did and I did work on that relationship and I was helping out uh giving him information about what when I was at the FDA and you know uh like kind of live blogging and telling him what was going on watching the hearings and and giving him that information um and then uh doing some research on Indiana all that stuff's fine um and then ultimately as the history went uh, is that when uh all the stuff with the labels came out and he was talking about this uh, vape-free youth thing uh, is that he didn't want to hear it anymore from me. He didn't want to hear that perspective. Uh, and so he blocked me off of Facebook um, and, uh, and that was that. Uh, so I don't think he listens to me i don't think he's offended by what i'm saying uh if he had uh if he if he was interested he would unblock me and look at my uh posts or whatever so uh unless he's the type of guy that uh is going to be uh having people monitor me and hand them information or whatever it is he has no clue to what i'm saying uh he doesn't listen to my shows and uh you know like i said uh i've never met him i i don't know him i've, I've talked to him on his shows uh and so that's where we're at there. So I'm gonna play another clip. Um you know, people I can I can I can just feel it right now if anybody's listening, is that they're gonna say, This guy must really have it you know, he just hates Dimitri. No, I don't. Uh I don't <laughs> uh I think he's often an idiot. I think he's often an asshole. And I think he does those things publicly. And I think that he fucks around with people. But that's all business. That has nothing to do with him. It, it's just the things that he does. It's the intentions of what he's doing. It's him not carrying, him burning bridges, him fucking around with people. I don't dislike him. I just dislike the things that he does. So here's another clip of Dimitri, which I believe is appropriately applicable.
4: So let's say we take care of all these things. We show the efficacy. We show the nicotine delivery. We show the material safety. That's easy. That can be done in a lab. The flavors. The flavors. And the marketing to kids is one of the toughest tasks that this industry has to overcome. And guess what we're doing? We're just shooting ourselves right in the foot.
0: So what I'm going to do is stop and start this thing and tell you what I disagree with. The flavors are the flavors. You, you, you can't give up some on the flavors. You have to fight for all of the flavors. So when people talk about flavors, they're not talking about what the label says. They're talking about just the flavor profile itself, just the mere fact that if something is labeled strawberry milkshake is enough the way some of these anti-vaping groups are coming at it. The thing is, is that you can't just say that they got us on the flavors because they don't have it in the law. Only if the law was changed by some amendment somehow uh, was put in there, are they going to be able to go after flavors in any time of uh, any any near-term thing. Um, because to get the flavors, they have to create a whole new tobacco product standard. And then they're going to have to uh, show that that product standard is in, uh, is, has efficacy to help the long-term population effects of public health safety. In other words, they have to show that this stuff is going to be helpful to the, all the, the generalized community of all. The whole village uh, that it's going to help out everybody. Now, what we already clearly know is that there's enough data already out there that shows that you cannot, uh, that, that rather, that already sh- there's enough data that already shows that adults, adult age smokers, consider flavors one of the key aspects of their ability to. Ha- to get off of cigarettes. And therefore, all of this data that is showing that uh, electronic cigarettes do work as an NRT, uh, not by name, they are not officially a nicotine replacement, they are actually an alternative. To cigarettes uh, that just to deliver nicotine all of that safety data just published this week by the Society of uh, uh, the Royal Society of Medical Professionals over in in uh, in the UK combined with uh, what uh, what that larger study did uh, I forgot uh, just the other UK study that talked about 95% all of that data is showing that electronic cigarettes work and part of that proof is is integral integral to that is that the vapor products that we are using that are successfully getting people off of cigarettes have flavors so you can't remove flavors out of the mix without harming the the efficacy of the sense the, the tobacco cessation abilities that are being observed by uh, the, the actual real uh doctors that are performing real studies. Let me just boil that down to the simple thing. Flavors work. If you remove flavors, it's likely e-cigarettes won't work. Therefore, the FDA would have a hard time creating a product standard that would reduce the ability of electronic cigarettes to get people off of smoking. That's how the law is currently the law won't allow the banning of flavors as currently written because they have to they would have to go through an entire new deeming period with all these public comments so you know people are what uh, you know uh it's going to take another six years uh for them if they want to try that it's not going to come easy so that's why when the vapor tobacco association that dimitri is a part of when they go in there playing with the law and and, and offering things to uh, you know, these Congress people, the Democrats uh, to, for them to switch their votes. And then when the uh, public health groups don't even have an outcry whatsoever, when those changes go in and then you have the, the bill author and the chairman and the, the people saying that this will now enable flavors, you damn straight that I'm pissed off and concerned about that. Some new trade organization that I've never heard of, you know, uh, Dimitri, that uh, you know, uh, yeah, let's uh, you know he he's he's the uh, TSFA that abandoned Safada. They're all whoop to do, uh, you know, want to play with uh, with VTA for uh, shits and giggles, and uh, and they're going to go, you know, they're, it's their first rodeo, and they want to go ahead and play around with flavors uh, with the congressman by shoving in an amendment that uh, all of the Democrats and the anti vaping groups seem to be just fine with yeah damn straight i'm concerned about that and it has nothing to do with dimitri as a person or any personal dislike it's just that you've got something that can't be done i understand the regulations as best i can and you cannot go after flavors because the law doesn't enable it and the deeming has that too all, there's one sentence in the deeming that says that although we can't ban flavors for an electronic cigarettes, we could go after that stuff uh, for, uh, for, we could create a, uh, once the products become deemed in, in then we are, are going to be able to regulate uh, them by creating a product standard. And then those options will be available to us. Hence, we asked for comments. So they asked for the comments from the anti-vaping groups to give them some, some support if they, wanted, if they want to you know pound the drums on that. The, the FDA welcomed it. Come on, give us some comments. But the problem is that the law can't go after it. Um, and, and the good example is uh, flavored, uh, tiny flavored cigars. So um, this is a whole digression, but this, you know, go over now back to Dimitri
4: private message or I get an email, somebody's sending me a picture of a product that no matter what you believe about it, it's the perception. It's the perception that the FDA has and all these groups like the American Lung Association, the American Cancer Association, and how they're going to present it in an open hearing, the perception that you're marketing to kids.
0: Hey, you know, if we're going to fight the perception, we'll never win. Uh, Never, because the anti-vaping groups are never going to change their perception. That's what they live by. Uh, The nanny states believe that everybody's a big, bad bully, and uh, they shouldn't be vaping. So their perception is never going to change. So go ahead and have a fun time fighting the perception. Yeehaw.
4: And the marketing to kids is one of the toughest tasks that this industry has to overcome. And guess what we're doing? We're just shooting ourselves right in the foot. We're shooting ourselves in the foot every day. I get a private message or I get an email. Of somebody sending me a picture of a product that no matter what you believe about it, it's the perception. It's the perception that the FDA has and all these groups like the American Lung Association, the American Cancer Association, and how they're going to present it in an open hearing, the perception that you're marketing to kids. We have to wake up, and we have to wake up now. The way that the FDA regulations are written, quoting Bill Godshaw from Smoke Free Pennsylvania, which I sat down in his presentation, we're not awaiting regulation. We're awaiting prohibition. So from now on, you're never going to hear me say the FDA deeming regulations. I am erasing that from my vocabulary, and I want this to trend. I want everybody to use it.
0: Okay, so he's asking that everybody use it. So when people are critical of me, uh, because I have got a problem with some of the things that Dimitri is saying, it's because he is advocating that everybody do something. I have my opinions, uh, but I'm not telling people what to do. I'm telling uh, people that what they're doing is fruitless, but I've got no followers.
4: Right now, we are waiting on FDA deeming prohibition of the industry as we know it prohibition 99.9% of the companies on the market today will be eliminated overnight 2 or 3 companies according to Bill Godshaw will be uh, available to be on the market and guess what all those are tobacco companies maybe an enjoy maybe a mystic maybe they'll be able to tag along certainly not in the capacity that they are now especially entering the vape space market
0: so it's not going to be labels that do that What's going to happen is that people are going to have to get past the regulations. If nobody spends the time to get through the regulations, you know, if they, if they're not going to do that, um, they they will go out of business because the FDA has the horsepower, the 160,000 inspections to be able to go and pull off people that don't comply. Now, the other way you can try and do it is hope that a grandfather date change is going to save the day. And it's just going to swoop in and, uh, everything's going to be fine. But, um, even if the grandfather date change, it's nothing's assured. Has anybody, you know, have you had your Azim Shahandres, sorry for murdering the last name, or, or some of these other, you know, real experts uh, go through this, say that the grandfather j- date change would just make everything just lovely. The, the fact is that we don't know. Um, and that's why I think it's safest to assume Uh, And this is what I've been saying, you know, for well over a year and a half now. The safest assumption is that the final rule looks exactly 100% like the deeming document. Uh, And that's my assumption.
4: Joy and Mystic now. Mystic. (laughs) Mystic, this guy from Mystic that a year ago was bashing fucking open vapor. Guess what? He's made an e-liquid line, and he's distributing it to the vape shops. Oh, my God, that's brilliant. I wonder where he found that out, Enjoy. In fact, the CEO was asked about his new line, and he didn't even know what the nicotine strengths were. This is-
0: so uh, that's something, another problem I've had. Uh, it has nothing to do with his personality. has nothing to do with his persona. doesn't have anything to do with the person that he is. It has to do with him going out left and right, attacking Enjoy, whereas Enjoy uh, was known as Soterra and uh, defended the entire industry a couple times against, uh, you know, the FDA back in 2009, 2010, 2011. Uh, and if not for Enjoy, uh, we'd be medical devices uh i or or we you know something really strange would have happened uh, if it weren't wasn't for enjoy and then later on uh enjoy was very active with uh putting lobbyists in all sorts of different states for for whatever reason, they, they their business model was to go ahead and to put those lobbyists in to defend states, even though they didn't have market share and they were competing in the Sigalike industry, which uh, you would think that uh, they could have just let Big Tobacco take it, uh, you know, once the views was taken. Uh, it's, it's very complicated, but uh, uh, I guess I'm bitching.
4: The guy that's given a presentation in about it, okay? He was on a panel. He was talking about his product. He didn't know what kind of nicotine strength they have. Make no mistake about it. We have to attack the flavors and the marketing to kids.
0: We don't have flavor problems. Flavors are good. Uh, we are not marketing to kids unless you use a convoluted anti-vaping argument and take their arguments as your own and bash the industry from inside.
4: You have to be responsible with the way that you present your product. At the end of the day, we sell nicotine. When did we forget that fact? When did we forget that we sell nicotine? And when did we forget that there's millions of smokers out there that have not discovered this product? Who's going to cater to them if all available nicotines are zero, three, and six, and cotton candy? How are we going to get smokers to switch?
0: Um, who cares about zero, three, and six nicotine? Because the Tobacco Control Act says that they cannot regulate nicotine down to zero. Um, and I don't think that anybody is trying to get rid of, uh, nicotine levels in vaporizer products. The FDA hasn't made any motions to limit that. So if a business wants to sell, uh, zero, three, and six as their only things, why would any other person care? Why? I don't know why. Why would any other company Maybe maybe that company is going after the sweet spot of their uh, of their of their product mix. Maybe zero and three and six uh, comprise sixty percent of the market, and uh, somebody yeah, who has a full line of uh, things finds that they have more competitors going after their sweet spot because we have uh, vapors marketing the vapors. That's the only reason I can think of it because. Uh, however anybody vapes is their business because clearly if it's a six mil a grams of nicotine, if the person vapes twice as much, they get 12 milligrams compared to a person with 12 milligrams that vapes half as much as a person with six. Hip, hip, hooray.
4: When do we forget about them? Isn't it all about the smokers? Isn't that who we're fighting for? We're not fighting for us.
0: Uh i'm fighting for us uh i think smokers will uh by fighting for vapors uh and fighting in the city councils all of the logical outgrowths for fighting fighting for vapors will in fact fight for future smokers um i i don't see why we have to call anything different um i i know the story of uh Stories of new people coming onto vaping is, are always very encouraging, but I don't see how vapers marketing to vapers precludes that. I don't see the whole mouth to lung thing uh, as being a major issue, especially when you have new product entrants coming to the market all the time with different technologies such as the Pax or the Jewel or any other things like that.
4: We're never going to stop vaping. The community will stop. The innovation will stop. The fun will stop. The fun parties will stop. The expos will stop. Isn't it about the smokers?
0: No, not just the smokers.
4: Isn't that what advocacy is all about?
0: No, it's part of vaping. Vapor Advocacy for vaping and advocacy for vaping businesses is part of what it's all about. It's not all about one thing. It's all about many things, and part of that is smokers, dual users, vapors, cloud chasers. It's it's The community is diverse and has a... Multiple avenues of support if we include everyone. It's not just all about the smokers.
4: Reaching smokers, let them discover this wonderful tobacco harm reduction alternative that we all discovered. Isn't that who we're fighting for? When do we forget about that? If we're ever going to have that clear vision of what advocacy is, to me, it's not about vapors. It's not about trying to impress vapors. It's about trying to impress smokers to try this product.
0: Okay, that's not advocacy as much as it is market expansion into a new category of potential customers. Um, vaping is vaping. Sigalikes are vaping. Cloud chasing is vaping. It's all vaping.
4: Crease our numbers. And guess what? I truly believe that the direction that this industry has gone, it's actually deterred smokers from trying it. You think a smoker's going to walk into a shop? His guys are blowing massive clouds? Can't even see the counter?
0: Uh, If a shop is just doing that, uh, if they don't have a smoker coming in, uh, there's a good chance there's going to be another shop that opens up that's going to cater to that sort of clientele. Uh, The market will self-correct and figure it out, and bad business will go out of business, and better businesses will continue business. uh, And uh, you let the free market figure out who it's going to sell to and what products. Unless there's a perfect mouth-to-lung product out there that anybody should use.
4: He's like, oh, man, I'm here to quit smoking, just for an example, right? So bringing it back all to the advocacy portion of this broadcast, I see it more and more. Just like the industry has grown, there's competition, there's marketing schemes. Everybody's trying to have that competitive edge. I feel like we're getting into that same boat with the advocacy groups as well too. Hashtag competition advocacy. You want to tread that? Trend it. Competition Advocacy. It seems like these groups are fighting on where they're going to get the money from. Whose group is better? Oh, I did this. I did that. Oh, no, no, no. Don't listen to what they say. Our group is better. Oh, no, no, no. Don't do that. Don't do that because this is my idea.
0: Okay, just to clarify, he is definitely talking about somebody else. I have no group. I've taken no money. He definitely is talking about somebody else.
4: This is my idea. I came up with this. I'm going to say vaping. What the hell happened? Where did we lose focus? Do you believe, honestly, that there's one group out there that will save vaping? (laughs) Do you believe that there's a SFADA out there, or a CASA, or a Militia, or an AVA, or every Tom, Dick, and Jerry that can save vaping? You're out of your mind. RGR spent $250 million on lobbying this year. And my friend, Chris Hughes up in PA had to beg and borrow to raise $50,000 to defeat a bill that's out there, scraping, scraping for the money. We see it in other states as well too. Look at states as Indiana. Look at this bill that was passed up there. And you think, and you think that there's a group out there that will save vaping? Fuck you. Fuck me. How about getting everybody together in a room, joining your resources, joining your economy, bring all the money together and try to do something. There's not one group that's better than the other one. And anybody that criticizes other groups and uh, other stuff that advocates are doing are just as bad as the opposition.
0: No, that's not true. There's nobody in vaping that is just as bad as the opposition. And even the people that are putting out those stupid labels like Spike Babian over in New York Vapor, whatever the hell she's at, even they are not as bad. And the First Amendment gives her protection to put those... You know, classless, you know, slutty uh, images onto her labels. She's protected. She knows it. If
4: not worse, Phil Busardo said it best. It's not us versus us, it's us versus them. And guess what? We have been infiltrated. It's now become an us versus us. And when it's us versus us, we have no chance of winning this fight. There is no group that is better than the other one. The fact that you're doing something, that you're trying something to help, and what you believe is the best way that you can help, the fact that you're taking time from your daily life, from your family, from trying out eLiquid, to do something for this community, you should be rewarded and you should be patted on the back.
0: Okay, uh, no, that's wrong. There are better groups than other groups. And uh, just because everybody uh, shows up to the game doesn't mean that everybody gets a trophy. So if somebody is being more effective, Uh, that's more important than uh, saying that everybody needs to you know uh, get a participation trophy when it comes down to it if a group goes out there that you absolutely disagree with but they get the job done in front of the city council and vaping is saved that's all that counts Uh, again uh, there was an older episode i am an oakland raiders fan uh going back to uh the kenny stabler mark van egan uh phil banisak uh days and uh the motto was just win baby uh so uh, at the end of the day, if you have to roll the ball into the end zone and uh, have Dave Casper jump on it and call it the Holy Roller Rule, if that's how you win the game, that's how you win the game. Uh, so there are better organizations than other organizations. It's it's just the facts.
4: You're not competition. There should not be any competition between advocacy groups. I'm tired of it. And I'm going to start to call you out.
0: He's going to start to call people out? Well, so for the people that are all complaining that, uh, that I am calling out Dimitri, uh, don't you for a second think that he is not doing that behind the scenes to many, many people, uh, many people behind the scenes.
4: I see you. I see the shit that you're trying to do in the back door. I will call you out. Remember my rule. Everybody that's listening to this program, whether you're a vapor, whether you're an industry, whether you're an illegal manufacturer, I'm 75% with you.
0: He's 75% with you. So, three out of four times, he's with you. One out of four times, he's not with you. Um, He won't back anybody completely. He won't trust anybody completely. He'll have crazy conspiracy theories.
4: That's it. I'm always going to keep my guard up. I'm always going to look over my shoulder. I know there's some tobacco people that have infiltrated some groups. I know there's some people with special interests that have infiltrated some groups. I know some people that just want to get the fame. I want to be famous. I want to be a famous advocate. Of course, I'm going to use everybody else's ideas. And I'm going to, you know, do some stuff behind their back to try to move up that ladder and be the savior. Whether that's for a personal financial gain, whether that is for an ego gain, whatever it is. I see you. I see who you are, and I will call you out. Stop the bullshit, stop the infighting. The moment that this becomes us versus us, we have failed. Prohibition will come before the FDA even enforces their own set of regulations. Wake up if you wanna be around, stop the infighting.
0: All right, so uh, that was that. I disagree with a lot of stuff that Dimitri does. I I don't agree that, uh, you know, with this whole thing, I see you, uh, I don't even know what that means. Uh, the the whole conspiracy of, uh, of uh, groups being infiltrated, I, I don't know what that is. Uh, you know, I, I believe that for the most part, right now, there's a few different groups that are working. Let's call them out by name. I was already talking about by calling things out by name. You got Safada, you got Kassah, you got the AVA, you got N- N- uh, NBS or uh, whatever they're going to call themselves now, uh, uh, No More Casualties, uh, NBS, let's keep it simple. Um, and then you got some state chapters, um, and you have the Safada state chapters, and there you go. Uh, there's a lot of superfluous stuff. Uh, I've got issues with uh, the militia. Uh which has its name being uh used left and right still by uh being exploited and uh Vaping Militia is quite proud that they've kept their name. Uh, they've they've been true to themselves uh, and they've kept their name. Well, it doesn't stop uh you know, anti vaping groups from taking their name and exploiting it against the industry. Um it is what it is. Um and uh I think i think i covered it in festivus uh, episode nine probably i guess that's right so i had to go on kevin's show um i was on a family vacation i got to haul uh the car over uh pull off to the side of the road at the harris ranch actually um for people in california that know highway 5 you know what that is uh and uh And I had to explain myself uh, and why, you know, uh, he had to ask me a whole bunch of questions because people have been giving Kevin grief or he's had people haven't been giving Kevin grief because he wouldn't accept the grief from anybody. But Kevin, it was quite perturbed that uh, emails sent to him uh, that he had to read. That had nothing to do with him or his show, uh, had to do with me and my show, were getting sent to him, and uh, because out of respect to the recipients, uh, I mean the senders, that he wasn't going to afford them to me, he was going to keep them to himself. And, uh, all he wanted to do is tell me that, uh, to put out my email, which is vapingindustry industry at gmail.com, vaping industry at com. Feel free to uh, take your phone and record a message and send it to me an email. Uh, feel free to swear and whatever you want to say. And I'll listen to it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll play it perhaps. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, be mindful of that. Uh, and, uh, if you want to, uh, write a letter, uh, and, uh, ask that I don't read it I will not read it so going back to all of this and what Kevin hauled me in and and, and wanted me to uh, you know he he asked me this question can I just agree to disagree Uh, which my response was a flat out no Uh, maybe maybe I answered that incorrectly I am going to disagree with Dimitri and other people and other organizations and other stuff and I will absolutely agree that my opinion is still going to be my opinion their opinion is going to be their opinion and i will voice my opinion uh and i will disagree but uh um it doesn't mean that uh i'm going to stop doing it i'm I'm not going to secede uh the the ground uh and be told by dimitri uh, uh what to do nor should anybody else uh nor should anybody else if if they think that i'm telling them what to do uh don't do that either it's everybody can do what they want to do but i i think the best thing that we can do is have real information out there and stop playing these stupid games and act as if uh somehow uh you know the current law is is allowed to ban flavors which is not uh and uh, not and keep uh, vigilant against new laws and new and modifications to the law that. So I I'm going to try and invite Tony abound or abood uh, from the vaping militia. Uh, sorry, uh, I will endeavor to see if I am able to get Tony, who represents the Vapor Technology Association, to come on and talk about whatever he wants to talk about. If he wants to talk about things, um, I will endeavor to do that. I will endeavor to get better interviews. Uh, if Dimitri wanted to come on the show, that's absolutely fine. But, you know, my opinion is that things are going to get really, really nasty and rough out there. And it's not going to be coming from the vapor community. It's going to be, it's going to be coming from the FDA and regulations and all these state laws. These things like Indiana are really going to impact businesses. Um, And so the businesses need to take the lead. Uh, They need to go into the city councils. They need to, uh, they need to, e-liquid manufacturers need to prepare for the, for the regulations, the TPD, and and other things. And they need to have best practices because what will happen is that those companies that don't comply with the fda regulations that have already been specified they will have products that are uh, i think they call it misbranded and if a tobacco product is misbranded the fda can go and seize that product and stop it from being sold uh, so everybody is going to have to pay real strong attention to correctly branding their products and things like that. Those are going to be important things. And and I guess I've talked at nauseum now about this. Uh, so I am going to to close it down. But a IP infringing label that shows a a something that looks like a generic cereal box uh, is not going to be. Uh, the challenge for the industry the challenge for the industry is going to be compliance with the fda and also battling back the states and the cities before they can jump ahead of the fda in other words that the fda has taken so long to to regulate these things a lot of states have jumped ahead ironically in talking with um Greg Troutman, who is the federal attorney that is helping out, uh, everybody. Uh, he's being funded by, uh, Troy LeBlanc, uh, over in Kentucky. Uh, he's trying to, uh, work, uh, and, and protect, uh, the Indiana marketplace. Uh, what he said is, uh, Greg Troutman is that if the FDA rules were to pop, that it would actually be beneficial uh to the to the lawsuits. Uh I have to talk to him about that again, but uh there is something called uh some sort of superseding uh ability where federal law trumps state law. So uh things could get interesting on that angle too. All right. So I've burnt the topic. Um, I've burnt it uh to the ground and more. Uh, I don't dislike people. Uh I don't have the a lot of energy to um I do disagree with what they're saying. In the case of Dimitri, uh I disagree with uh what I believe are his business businesses interests that are interjecting themselves in what the advocacy that he is advocating to other companies to do. In other words, his interests are compromised by his own companies. And stops him from giving the best advice to the general industry. That's a simple way of saying it. Uh, And uh, that's it. That's the show. Uh, I'll, I'll find a song. Here's a song. It's called The Writer.